guys, welcome to another episode of Sunday School at Modern Mystic Shop. My name is Kelly Knight and I am your host and shop owner. This week we have a returning guest, Adela Rafa. And I do think that she's been on our show more than any other person. So if you enjoy this content, please scroll back. I believe one of her classes was called The Art of Adulting. It's one of our most popular and most download podcasts. But I am so in love with Adela, so much so that we actually hire her to coach our team. So she's the person that we bring in to help our team with communication. Not just Brandon and I, but everyone. She works with our leadership team. She works with our sales associates. And so we feel really, really lucky that she's willing to come again and share her knowledge with you guys. This week's topic is about conflict resolution. And actually, uh, Brandon and I, you know, we are married, but we also are partners in business. And a couple weeks ago, we were having a conflict and a really hard time seeing each other's point of view. And who did we call? We called in Adela and she sat us down in our office and we both felt heard and she was able to draw this sort of representation and ask the right questions to help us get to the core of what we were really in conflict about and help us see each other's perspective and understand sort of the dynamic of what was going on. And so you weren't able to be a fly on the wall in that meeting. However, in this class, she's going to ask the question, what if there's a new way to view conflict? not as a problem, but as an opportunity. So in this class, she explains that most people dislike conflict and often go to extreme lengths to avoid it, whether at home or work, or both in our case, or with friends. So she'll teach us five simple NLP techniques to shift your perception and approach to difficult conversations. So I think all of us could definitely use help in better communications and conflict resolution. So it's the perfect, perfect listen if you're looking to grow in those areas. So without further ado, Courageous Conversations with Adela Rafa. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. I love coming here just for that alone. Um, So before I jump into the topic of courageous conversations, and I promise this is not a tactic of delaying, denying, avoiding, procrastinating the conversation I'm going to have with you today, um, I just want to let you know a couple of ways that you can stay connected with me after uh, 12 o'clock today. Um, And I want to tell you about an upcoming workshop that we have this afternoon, too. So, and then I'll jump into Courageous Conversations. Um, So there's a couple of ways you can stay connected with me. Um, One of those is LinkedIn. Look for my name, Adela Rafa. You can connect with me on um, Instagram, Adela Rafa. Uh, you can connect with me on my Facebook page. It's Adela Rafa Awareness Coaching and Training. And if you want to get my newsletter, you can sign up on my website, adelarafa.com. And I usually share um, some tips and tidbits, and I call them nuggets um, in my newsletter. And this afternoon, so if you like what you hear here today and want to dive a little deeper in Courageous Conversation. I think we call the workshop Meeting Conflict with Courage. Um, That's at one o'clock somewhere in this building. And we do have space available. 
so it's an hour and a half long workshop. It starts at one and it's $40 and I'm gonna throw in 30 minute coaching with me if you sign up today only. Okay, that's a lot of value for $40. Okay, so I am ready to talk about Courageous Conversation. And I think I posed the question when we wrote this um, um, little blurb about, about what the class was gonna be. <clears throat> I asked the question, what if we were to look at conflict from a different perspective? So that means that we need to look at how are we looking at conflict right now? So when I say conflict to you, what comes up? And I invite you to be interactive. I invite you to be brave. I invite you to talk because there is a lot of golden nuggets we can learn here today. So when I say, yes. Opposing views, right, yes. What else? Uncomfortable, yes, of course. Confusion, yes. We even call war in other countries conflict. Like there's a conflict in the Middle East. There is a conflict somewhere, somewhere. So when we think about conflict, the image is often uncomfortable, maybe scary, opposing opinions. And so what happens when we think and feel scared about something? We avoid it, of course. Like who, yeah, we avoid it. What else do we do? How do we avoid it? Ignoring it. What else? Deflection. Yep. We avoid, we shut down, we make assumptions. We disengage, we're out of there, right? So back to the question about if, what if we looked at conflict differently? And I'll share a quick little story about what made me really dig a little deeper when I work with clients on conflict. I had a client, not recently, uh, I wrote a blog about it. She came in and she said, why is communication so damn hard? That was her question, unquote. And uh, I, I love those kind of questions because it's, there's so many layers to that. So when we look at communication, what is communication? Communication is an exchange of information, right? It's how we communicate with each other. Uh, so communication itself, it's just a form that we use, a mode of exchanging information. Communication itself is not really easy or hard or stupid or fun or communication is. It's a mode. It's our perception and how we create meaning, our beliefs that can make it difficult or hard or, or whatever. Whatever we word we put behind it is our own perception of communication. You know what I mean? So for the c client that came in and said communication is hard, it wasn't communication itself. It was actually the person she was having the communication with and then the topic. 
So it wasn't communication itself that was hard. And then also, we can always look at what questions are we asking. So when something is difficult, I usually look at what questions are we asking. So why questions are very limited. And when somebody asks us why, we often go into defense mode, we go into now I need to explain myself, now I need to make excuses. So my defenses are up when somebody asks, why are you doing that? Why is communication so hard? And another thing about why question, it keeps us focused on the problem. So now we're trying to figure out and solve the problem of communication being hard. So we stay stuck on the problem. But when we change the questions, how is communication hard? Now we're looking for either specifics or we're looking for a solution. With whom is communication hard? Like now we can have a specific person, like, oh, when I talk to females, when I talk to males, when I talk to older people, when I talk to younger people, it's so difficult because I can't connect. Now there's a different story behind it. Or when we ask, what makes communication difficult? Now we're looking for the answers. We're not looking to stay stuck in the problem. So that's in any conversation, in any question that you might have, look at the questions that you're asking. Because changing the question can change the answer. Yeah? Okay. So, so with, with the client in particular that I was working with, we uncovered all of these layers. So it wasn't communication, it was how she felt about having a difficult conversation with this particular person. So, and she felt like there was going to be conflict. So a lot of times when we, when we have a situation or an event or an experience that leads to a feeling, like I have a feeling about what's about to happen, or we can be in the middle of it. We could be in the middle of dialogue and there might be opposing opinions. Now I have a feeling involved. So when we have a feeling, the feeling often leads to a belief that I'm holding about myself, about the other. And then that belief leads to an expectation. So now I have expectations about how this dialogue is going to go. And if I'm already in the mindset that it's difficult, communication is hard, we'll have opposing opinions, I might be shutting down, I want to avoid this. There's, a not, there's not a whole lot of room to be open and curious and inviting. Like our body language might communicate something too. And especially when we want to have a dialogue with somebody, a lot of times we come in at it from maybe not an elegant way. So who here has ever heard the phrase, we need to talk? Everybody's nodding their head because we all had that. And who has said it in here? We need to talk. Yes, a lot of us start a dialogue that way. And what does that do? Yeah, you feel a little jolted maybe, like you brace yourself, like, uh-oh. Isn't the answer often, uh-oh, right? We need to talk, uh-oh, what did I do now, right? So even, even that 
makes it difficult to, oh, no, no, now I'm feeling like I need to explain and make you feel good and take care of you. And the dialogue and the communication gets lost sometimes in that trail. So would it be helpful if I gave you some tips and tools of how to approach communication? Would you like to see that today? Okay. Um, so one of the ways that we communicate in NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming, is we have a saying that's called the map is not the territory, meaning that we all have our perception of the world. And we all have our own reality and the way that we look at the world. And my way does not make it right versus yours wrong. It's not about that. It's just a different perspective on the same reality, what we call reality. So if you can keep in mind that everybody has their own map of the world, different from yours, often it is different from yours, and accept that. And it's not your job to convince anybody that your map is better than theirs. It's just a different way of looking at things. And the way our map, our own personal map, um, is developed is from our upbringing at home, it's our culture, it's our belief systems, it's our values, it's how we were educated, how our parents taught us, how our teachers taught us. It's just so many different things of what's going on on inside. So that is kind of like our computer system. Like if you are a computer, your system, your programming has been created by your upbringing and your, you know, your education and what you have surrounded yourself with. The people, your friends, all of that makes an impact on what you believe today. Would you agree with that? Okay, so if that's true for you, that's true for everybody around us. And if you can keep that in mind when you have dialogue with somebody and have a communication with somebody, that helps. And then sprinkle a hefty, hefty dose of curiosity on everything, on every communication that you have, every dialogue you have. Sprinkle it heavily with curiosity. Like little kids. I love talking to little kids because they don't have filters yet. <laughs> and they just, they're so innocent and they're so curious and why? Why is this that way? Why is this that way? And they just say things how they see them, how they see them from a place of innocence and curiosity. And, and then we as parents get hold of them and <laughs> tell them how to feel and how to think and this is wrong and this is right. Um, so if you can be curious and, and not ask so many why questions, although kids do ask why, they, don't, they haven't learned how and when and what yet. But if you can change your questioning to, to how and when and what, it's really gonna change the answer that you get from somebody. Um, when we as coaches work with clients, we seldom use the question why. 
because we want, we want the clients to go in to a curious place, an inquiring mind, and look for solution and not stay stuck on the problem. So when we ask why, it doesn't open a new way of thinking. It stays stuck in the patterns. Can you see how that can, how I can change? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Okay. So, if conflict is a dispute, it's an argument, it's um, a disagreement, it's often something we feel uncomfortable with. So, what about the conflict do we feel uncomfortable about? Okay, so how we will be seen, if we're going to be understood or misunderstood, and how we will feel, right? Yeah, that's a great answer. Yes, we want to be seen. How do you want to be seen? The best possible way, of course, and we all do. So then what do we do with, um, with, with ourselves when we feel uncomfortable, we want to be seen a certain way. So what do you do? Shame. Is that I heard? Shame? Did somebody say shame? No? I, it was outside? <laughs> really? Did you hear it too? Okay. I wasn't hearing things. Okay. So, well, yeah, sometimes people feel ashamed. That is true. Uh, shame and guilt, maybe? Um, of course, those are feelings that are less, less than comfortable, of course. Um, let's see, I wanted to, um, to have this point, and I want to make it. Hang on one second. Let me see how I can make it. With how we want to be seen. I want to go back to that, because that is a lot of times we want to be seen in the best possible way, and often the delivery of that is not very elegant or flexible, maybe. Because now we have an expectation. So if I want to be seen in the best possible way, my expectation might be that I'm not going to be seen in my best possible way. So that's the resistance, and that's what I'm fighting against. Right? Yes. Yes. So what he was saying for those that aren't podcast listening in is how we want to be seen versus how things are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I call that fact versus fantasy. Fact versus fantasy. The facts are this is the way it is. And the fantasy is I want them to see me in the best possible way, whatever that means. Right? They're going to see you how they're going to see you, and you're not responsible for how they're going to see you. It's when we try to manipulate, and when we try to influence it, and when we try to will it into a certain way when we get in trouble. Like, as a communicator, and this is another NLP or, uh, tip, as, an, uh, uh, as a communicator, I am responsible for what I'm communicating. I'm responsible for the delivery. Um, I'm not responsible for how you're going to feel about it. Like your feelings are your feelings. 
and you may like something I say, you may not like something that I say. And that's really up to you. So my delivery is what I'm responsible for. So how many people ha have said this or heard this sentence? That wasn't my intention. Like, I said something, you heard something, but that wasn't my intention. Yes, people are nodding their head, raising their hand, hands. Okay, so is it then possible, like if we say something and people misunderstand what we're saying, our delivery could be more effective? If I was more intentional with my message before sending it out, my intention to communicate to you is this message and I want it to be as clear as possible so there's no misunderstandings. And then, so when you receive it, the feedback I'm getting is like, oh, that's clear, yes, I understand, versus I don't understand. I don't understand what you mean. Like, are you saying this, that, or the other? And then you have to explain yourself. No, 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 that wasn't my intention. Or, or, or another one is, you're too sensitive. That's not what I was saying. Have you ever heard that? How does that make you feel? Invalidated. Invalidated, of course. Like your feelings are not important, that, you know, you, you, um, you are thinking about what I'm saying incorrectly. Like, so I'm making you wrong instead of accepting that you're feeling whatever it is that you're feeling based on my communication. So one thing you can say then is, instead of saying it wasn't my intention, mis you misunderstood or you're not, you're too, in, you're too sensitive, is let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. Let me be more clear. Is that, does that feel different than, that was not my intention. You're too sensitive. Yeah? Okay. I wrote some, some notes because I get carried away otherwise. So, when we are in a conflict, and we can be in conflict with uh, people at work, we can be in conflict with friends, we can be in conflict with um, our partners. Um, and I'm going to stop using the word conflict because conflict, I want to look at the word conflict again and maybe readjust or adjust the word conflict to an opportunity. Because if you think about it, a conflict is a opposing views or misunderstanding or something negative. Uh, but if we look at it as an opportunity to come together, an opportunity to connect, an opportunity to solve an issue or a problem or a misunderstanding, now we're looking to um, solve an issue or we're looking to solve the problem. We're looking to come together as a, a unit, as a team, as a partner, even you know, maybe ch your children. And we're looking together to solve something. So it, it unconsciously, it changes how you are perceiving the situation. 
So if we go back to the expectation, what is your expectation? Like when it's a conflict, our expectation might be, I got to gear up. This is, I'm going to win this one. Like watch me. I'm rolling my sleeves up and I'm going to win this one. You're not going to, and we get stubborn and um, we might be, you know, and all of that, how we handle the situation is based in, in childhood. Our kitchen table was the very first uh, um, board meeting that we learned. You know, our, our childhood dinner tables taught us so much about communication. And if you didn't have dinner at the table and you didn't have a conversation with your family, you know, that, that might be the style of communication you're using today unless you learn something different along the way. Um, in my household, we were very animated and opinionated. And a lot of times when my friends would come over, they would ask, why are you arguing? And nobody was arguing, it was just our way of communicating. Very lively, very opinionated, and everybody's opinion was the right way. And we wanted to convince each other that you know, our opinion was the right opinion to have. So it was very animated, but you know, that was, that was our dinner table. And so I had to relearn and uh, not focus so much on being right, but coming up with a solution. Like, and one of the NLP ways to looking at that is what is my desired outcome? Like if my desired outcome is to win, then I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get it to, to win this one, regardless of feelings, of somebody else's feelings, um, and regardless, if, if my goal is to win, I might not care about how you and I are relating, because it's all about me, and me being right, I mean winning, right? But if my desired outcome is that we leave here with a, with a solution, or with a new understanding, or peaceful, whatever the desired outcome is, now I'm gonna frame it differently. I'm, I'm going to navigate with you in a different way. So instead of winning, I'm just looking at solving, understanding, which is really what most conflicts is about. You're not understanding me, you're not listening to me, you don't hear me. Have you had those arguments? Or worse, when they say, you never listen. Like all those absolutes. You always say that. You never listen. Like very absolute. It gives very little room for, wait, I just did it yesterday. Yeah, that one time, but all the other times. Right? So, so don't speak in absolutes. But I'll get to the don'ts a little later. Um, but we want to look at ourselves first. Whenever we are in a situation that might be uncomfortable or there might be disagreements, um, we need to have the talk. We need to talk that conversation. Um, if we can approach it a little differently, it might be more open. Like recently I had to have a conversation with, with somebody and um, I was ruminating and ruminating and trying to put myself in their shoes 
to make it more inviting and ask for permission because I needed to have a challenging but crucial conversation and rather than saying we need to talk I said I said something along the line and I, I may not get it exactly right today but I said something along the lines of um, I, w I, had, I do have something I would like to share with you, some thoughts, and if now is not a good time, I'd like to schedule a time that we're both free and we can have a conversation. So I asked for permission to have a conversation, and instead of saying we need to talk and we need to do it now in my time, because that is part of what we try to control. Like, I'm uncomfortable and I want to I get it over and done with right now. I mustered up some courage right this minute and I just want it out. And that's when we get in trouble too because the other person may not be ready. You know, I, I'm not ready to have that talk right now. And then we have an expectation. Expectation is, it's a disease. It, it is not good to have expectation. It's not a disease, but um, it, it, it really, uh, when we have expectations and make assumptions, we create some of the conflict before we even have a conversation. In our minds, it's already created. If I have, a con if I have to have the conversation with somebody and I make an assumption that this is not gonna go well and I'm feeling uncomfortable, that's how I'm gonna show up. So I'm uncomfortable and my expectation is that this is not gonna go well, they're gonna leave mad or they're not gonna understand me. I have already created the conflict within myself and the dialogue hasn't even happened yet. So it's important um, to be, to check, and check within yourself. Okay, I need to have this conversation, whatever the conversation is. Maybe it's at work with a coworker. Maybe it's with your supervisor. Maybe you are the supervisor and you need to have a conversation with one of your team members. Maybe it's with your partner. Maybe it's with your child. Maybe it's with your friend. Ask yourself, what is my desired outcome for this conversation? What do I want to see on the other side? After we have this conversation, how would I like us to be? us to feel, and us, like them too, not just me. I want to be right and I want them to be wrong. That's not going to work. You're going to stay in that conflict. You're going to stay in the opposing opinions. But if I'm looking at it, my desired outcome is that we have, we're going to leave here, if not completely, on the same page, getting to the same page. Because maybe we need to have one more conversation. Maybe we need to have several conversations. Maybe this is too big or too much to handle in one dialogue. Maybe we need to have several. So being open to the possibilities of looking at courageous conversation as a process. Like everything new that we do, we have to practice. The first time we decide to have a courageous conversation, um, we may not know exactly how to do it. Because it's new. We know the old model of we need to talk. And as we determined today, that one is an old model and it doesn't quite work that well. Um, 
So a new model would be more asking for permission. We need to have a dialogue, we need to have a conversation, and then also check your tonality, because if you hear somebody coming in and saying, we need to talk, even that, if you say that with a different tonality, it can change. Because tonality in communication, tonality, body language, and words, that's communication. Words is less than 10%. The uh, body language is more than 50% and the balance is tonality. So I can say, we need to talk. Doesn't that sound softer and more inviting? Maybe a little, maybe it can still be like, uh-oh, right? But it's not as harsh and maybe critical as, we need to talk. Then you know immediately, whoa, I'm in trouble. That phrase is, um, <laughs> I think it's from, I'm not sure exactly where it came from, but it, it is one of those phrases that we all know universally and we're all afraid of when we hear it. So where, if you hear it, because I'm sure you're gonna hear it again, instead of jumping into the expectation that it's a bad thing that you're gonna hear about, go into curiosity and just see if it makes a difference. Just test it. Do your own testing. So if somebody says, we need to talk, check in with yourself, I'm like, uh-oh, there's that one. Yep, this is what's making me feel. I'm expecting something here. So I'm gonna put my expectation to the side and I'm going in with curiosity. And curiosity could be like, hmm, I wonder what they have on their mind. And you can even ask. Sure, I'd be happy to talk. Are you thinking today? And is there anything I need to prepare for? Like at work, perhaps. Like, is, do I need to bring any notes? Or if it's a, with the partner, what might you say differently than you do now? What, what do you say now? If it's your partner that comes home and says, we need to talk, what do you say? Is everything okay? assuming there's something wrong, right? Right, the, the assumption is immediately is like something is wrong. Yeah, what else, what else do we say? What's on your mind? Mm -hmm. About what? <laughs> right, what did I do now, right? Am I in trouble? Yes, of course, yeah. So if, if you were thinking of the desired outcome with this conversation is I'm gonna learn something. Something is on my partner's mind and I am going to be present to them. Um, so I invite you to just say, I'd be happy to. I'd love to. What time works for you? I'm open now, are you? Like now is a great time. Like, just see what happens if the reception, like, even if it is somebody who's angry with you and say, we need to talk, and you say, I'll be happy to. It's kind of hard to be mad, stay mad, right? Oh, really? Well, you don't know what I'm about to say. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be good. <laughs> right? Instead of, you know, gearing up for war, gear up for peace. 
you know, expect it to go well. Just like right now, your expectation is going to be bad. Change your expectation. Oh, this is going to be an awesome conversation. I'm going to be so present. I'm going to listen. And we're going to learn something new about each other today. Wow, that's going to do amazing things for our relationship. I can't wait. Like, what if that was the expectation? Like, I see you laughing and giggling a little bit because it seems so foreign and out there and wild. But the expectations we have now that it's bad, it, what, is that doing you any good? Is that working for you? So if the expectation we have now is not working for us, how about we change them? Doesn't that sound like a simple solution? I didn't say easy, I said simple. It's, it's a simple solution that is not always easy. Th those are the kind of solutions I like to provide. Like simple, so it's, if it's the expectation that, that we need to change, let's change that. Simple, not easy. How do we do that? Well, we have to catch ourselves in the expectation. So we have to go backward. So I'm going to draw here, like imagine there is like a, a clock. You have a 12 o'clock, you have a 3 o'clock, you have a 6 o'clock, you have a 9 o'clock, right? Up here at 12 o'clock, we have the experience or the event that happened. I need to talk. That's the experience. That leads to the 3 o'clock where feelings are. I have a feeling about that. Uh-oh, I'm scared. Or I'm pissed. You want to talk to me? Who do you think you're talking to? Right? You can go that way too. Um, and then so that feeling is what we get and we get caught up in the feeling. And then we have over down here at 6 o'clock we have um, the belief. The belief that I have about myself and the belief that I hold about the other person. So I might believe, oh, we need to talk. Oh, I'm scared. Have I done something wrong? I can never do anything right. That's a belief that we hold about ourselves. I'm in trouble is a belief. They're going to leave me is a belief. And then we go up here to 9 o'clock. That's where the expectations are. So the expectation might be this is not going to go well. Here goes another relationship. I knew it. I can't keep a relationship. Or, oh, my boss wants to see me again. We need to talk, the boss says. I get scared. Uh, my belief is I'm going to get fired. The expectation is I'm going to have to look for another job. I can't do it right. There's something wrong with me. Yes? Hi, it's me again. I hope you are enjoying this episode of Sunday School and Modern Mystic Shop. I wanted to pop in and say if you like what you're hearing, especially if you love what you're hearing and you listen to our podcast week after week and you gain anything positive from it, I would really appreciate it if you would share this podcast with anyone that you think we can help and serve through these messages. It is our goal in 2020 to grow this podcast to have a further reaching audience. And the way that we've grown our business in the past has been through word of mouth through people like you. So I'm just reaching out and asking if you have anyone that would benefit from these episodes, please, please share our podcast with those that are near and dear to you so we can help grow our global community 
community and we can grow and learn and transform together. Thank you so much for listening. And now back with our episode. Yes. So a past experience triggers in the present moment. Absolutely. Yes, of course. Yes, that's, uh, that's the pattern, and that's this wheel right here. That's a pattern, that's a limited belief, because we are not in the present. So when we get triggered, we're in the past. We're not in the present. If I hear, um, we need to talk, and I heard that when I was younger, or my boss, and I got fired, the expectation, yes, is that I'm, that same thing's going to happen to me today. But that is because I'm not here. I am there. That starts what? That starts in our educational system. We need to talk. Yeah. The, yes. Yes. That is the programming that lives in us. So the, the reason we think today that conflict is a bad thing is because we have been programmed for, for years. And our communication today is based on how we've been programmed from childhood. Like like Kristen said, there, it's never too late to have a childhood. That is my belief. We can reprogram and change our expectations and our triggers. And it starts with 9 o'clock, my expectations. So I have to look at what are my expectations about any given situation and can I be present now in front of this person. This person in front of me is not my kindergarten teacher or my, or my father or my grandmother or whoever did that, put that plug in me that is not part of my programming. Like unplug, like the matrix. Unplug from those old beliefs that no longer serve you. And it's a practice. It's not just, oh, I'm unplugging, I'm done. I'm re re reprogramming today. It's a practice. It's catching yourself. And the more you are present and aware to yourself and what you're experiencing, like when you have an experience, you notice you have a feeling about it. Take your time to consider what is my feeling here and what is my belief that I'm holding right now? Because those are the old programming. That's the old programming that, that you were talking about. So if we can look at, oh, I believe this, and then my expectation is that, and it's usually not in our favor. Our expectations are often, when we are in a triggered state, our expectation is not positive. It's, it's there's something wrong, I'm gonna lose, I'm gonna lose the relationship, I'm gonna lose a job, whatever it is. So it's looking at what is my expectation in this particular situation. And even asking, having a dialogue, like even saying, we need to talk. Ooh, when I hear that, that really triggers me. And let me tell you why. When I was in blah, 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 right? Now you can have a different exchange with the person that you felt ignited your trigger. It's not the person that triggered you. It's, you know, you got triggered by what somebody said or somebody did. You with me? Yes. Kirsten has a question. Mm-hmm. 
sure. Um, boundaries are super important when we come when come to communication. I mean, boundaries are important. Period. And when our boundaries are violated, we usually feel a jolt in our in our bodies, in our system. We call it triggers, right? Um, Nonviolent communication is is um, communication that has compassion, kindness, and understanding on board. There is not about right or wrong. It's not about winning. It's about solving and getting closer and understanding each other. With kindness, with compassion, with mindfulness, with awareness. That sounds so beautiful, doesn't it? <laughs> a lot of times we don't communicate like that. We communicate more violently, which is with our egos, because we need to be right. And we're driven by the need to be right. Um, and so when, when we find ourselves in that state, so you have to check your, your, your state, your state of mind, when we have these difficult conversations because our state of mind is how we will show up to the conversation. And especially if it's a difficult conversation to have, maybe it is, I need to let you go, or it's, I'm breaking up with you, or I don't want this anymore, or this is not working anymore, something along those lines. Those are difficult conversations to have. I mean, nobody likes, most people I know don't like to have those type of conversation, and we fumble because it makes us uncomfortable and we don't, can't find the words or don't know how to start. So we might go into the defense of ourselves. Like instead of saying, you know, I, I, I'm not sure this relationship is working for me anymore, we might tell the person all the things that's wrong with them and you are the reason I'm leaving. Like that's, that's a milder version of violent communication, but if I'm telling, it's not really milder, it's whenever you make somebody else wrong, if you can't take responsibility for yourself, it's violent to me. You're violating their boundaries. So if I say to you, um, you never do this and you always do that and I don't want to live like that anymore and so I'm out of here. So now I'm making you feel that or I'm, my, I'm attempting to blame you and shame you and guilt you so I can have my out. When in reality, it's like, this is not working for me anymore. And I don't know how to say that because I'm uncomfortable, but it's my discomfort. And a lot of times, did, did I answer your question? Um, and I have, Five words to avoiding conflict. Before I forget them, I want to read them. Um, so you may relate to this. What's wrong, honey? Nothing. So, so avoid the word nothing. Or what's going on in here? Nothing. Right? We say that. Um, instead of saying nothing, you can say, well, something is going on. I'm not ready to talk about it yet. Will you give me some time? Instead of nothing, and you know everything is going on, right? Um, another one is whatever. Is that okay with you? Whatever. 
Do you want to go and eat Mexican tonight? Whatever. We're going to go see my mother tonight. Is that all right with you? Whatever. Like, who hasn't said that? We all do. Most of us do. But w what does dad do? It's not whatever. So how are we so comfortable in saying nothing and whatever in, instead of speaking our truth? Because somewhere down a long, long time ago in our programming, we were taught that our truth is, is not valid or is wrong or you shouldn't feel this way or you shouldn't say that. So we learn somewhere along the line that what I have to say and my truth is not going to be received. So instead of saying, whatever, we'll go to your mother tonight, it might say, you might say something like, so if you don't want to go, you say, why don't you go, uh, would it be possible for you to go alone? Or can I sit this one out? If that's not an option, you say, you can set a boundary and say, you know, I'll go for an hour, but then I, then I want to leave, so can we take two separate cars? Because it's not whatever. So pre stop pretending that it's whatever or nothing. Like, speak. Ask her what you need. And that's a good way to set boundaries, too. I'll go and see your mother. An hour is what I'm willing to do. Nothing against any mothers out there. Just using that as an example. Another word, um, it's when we speak in absolutes. I mentioned it earlier. You always leave the dishes for me to do. Or you never do the dishes. You never tell me how much you love me. <laughs> you always leave your shoes in the hallway. So those absolutes are, are not very productive in a dialogue because it makes the other person wrong. So, so now it's almost like I have to, like if, I'm, if you tell me I'm always leaving dishes in the sink or I never do the dishes, what I'm telling the other person is you're doing things wrong and I'm expecting you to prove yourself. Prove me wrong. Like, I dare you to do the dishes now. And who wants to be in, in that type of dynamic? I shouldn't have to prove anything. Right? Nor should my expectation be that you need to prove yourself. So instead of saying, you never do the dishes, how can you turn that around and make it a positive? It makes me so happy when you do the dishes. So if you want to um, show me some love today, you could do the dishes for me. That would make me so happy. Or something along those lines. Um, remember the other day when you came home and you had done the dishes and, and I came home and they were, they were all gone and I didn't have to do anything? That made me so happy. Anytime you want to do that again, you're welcome to it. Surprise me. I love surprises. Those are the kind of surprises that I love. So if you want to know what to get me for Valentine's Day, do the dishes. Communication can be fun. It doesn't have to be so serious, um, especially when we're trying on something new. Have fun with it. 
Okay. We're almost up. I haven't talked this long. Okay. Number four, things to avoid in conflict. You don't want to compare somebody. You don't want to compare them to somebody. Don't say things like, you are just like your father. Or you are just like your sister or mother. Or, and if you say it with contempt, that makes it even worse. So avoid comparing unless it's positive. Right? Oh, and then number five, I think I mentioned that you take things too personally or you're too sensitive. That's another one that is very invalidating to somebody when they say, when they hear that. Okay, so you want to hear some words to say? Okay. Um, you can start, like, a very powerful wor word is if. If. Or when is another one. Um, it's an opening. So at, at work, it could be something like, if we were to look at the budget for this year, blah, 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 blah. Instead of, we need to look at the budget this year. Or even, we need to look at the budget this year. Can be, uh oh, there's something wrong with the budget this year. So an if is an invitation. Like, let's look at the budget together this year. Um, instead of should, you should really do those dishes. <laughs> should is a, is a very limited word, and uh, it, nobody likes to hear what you should do. So could is a better alternative. Could you do the dishes? No, I can't. Yes, I can. Instead of you should do the dishes. No, I shouldn't. I know I should, but I don't want to. So change from should to could. It's more inviting. Um, another word that is good to say in a conflict is yes. We need to talk. Yes. We have a problem. Yes. We need to look at the budget. Yes. I am angry with you. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, another one is together. Together. Together is a word that um, I think Sanford University did a study on teams, and 48% of the teams produced more had more collaboration. They worked longer without recognizing that they stayed after, after hours um, when they used the word together in a sentence. Together, we're going to talk about um, courageous conversations today. Together, we're going to solve this budget crisis that we have. Together, we are going to look at such and such, this and that. Together. That is inclusive. Like, try it to your partner and see what happens. Even, um, how about we go grocery shopping together? It's like, oh, you want to go grocery shopping with me? Like, it's inclusive. It makes a person feel like I'm part of something, and we all want that connection. It's like connecting to people. 
Um, another one is thank you. We need to have a talk today. Thank you. Thank you. I've been thinking about that too. I'm glad you brought it up. Thank you. Another one to say is um, and. And instead of but. But. Because whatever you just said is deleted. It's negated. I don't, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but what am I telling you? Take this the wrong way. So, uh, and is a, a, a good way to, um, to feel inclusive. Like we have a problem and together we're gonna solve it, yes? I used all the words in one sentence. <laughs> and here's another one. Because, when you say because, it's like a cause and effect word. Because we're going to leave here today feeling more courageous about having these conversations because we're going to be using our voice and we're going to know how to set boundaries a little bit better by just saying what's on our mind and not avoiding. Because because you give cause and effect. Um, another one is say, as a result of, in workplace, consequently, that's another one. Um, say their name. Anna, I'd love to have a conversation with you today. Are you open to that? Versus, we need to have conversations today. Are you open to that? Like, people want to hear their names. It's, it's, it's almost like a, you know, like a, a, a caress, like a, a nice, inclusive, I know you, I see you, I want to talk to you, I'm you, right? Um, and willing, willing is, are you willing to talk to me today? Instead of, I need you to, I need you to talk to me today. Are you willing? Do we have any questions? I know we have a couple of more minutes. Courageous conversations, yes. Do you feel more courageous about the conversations? <laughs> so my question is, should I take this? Yeah. Okay. So my question is, so let's say you are prepared to have a courageous conversation and you are look, going into the conversation with the goal of learning and understanding. However, you are having a conversation with somebody who has like the winning mindset so even if you are practicing all the proper even if you are practicing all the proper techniques um, that you just mentioned before if they still have that concept that they're trying to win the conversation they may still see your dialogue as yes. combative for them so how would you suggest navigating that type of a conversation that's an awesome question. Yes, how would you navigate if you're open to have a courageous conversation and the person you're talking to is combative um, and not willing to be um, looking for the solutions but they want to win this, right? Um, I would speak into that. I would speak into it. Some, a lot of times I speak into what I see. Uh, this is not going anywhere right now. 
So why don't we take a break and come back to this conversation at a later time? Or do we need to reschedule this conversation? Or what I'm in contact with right now is, right? Um, what I'm in contact right now is um, my message is not reaching you the way um, I had hoped. I'm not looking to win this one. It's I'm looking to solve something. Can we focus on the facts here? Can we go back to what our desired outcome was? And a lot of times, stating the desired outcome in the beginning, I do that a lot in, when I work with clients. I ask, when you leave here today, what's the one thing you'd like to get out of it? Or how would you leave here feeling? That way we have something to work towards. Not in the middle of it. Like, oh, yeah, we just spend... 30 minutes, we have 10 minutes to go. What would you like to talk about today? Right? Like, let's, go, let's have a direction and be more intentional. The intention for my talk with you today is, and when you veer off, when it's going somewhere you're not intending or it's taking a life on its own because there's feelings and emotions, stick to the facts. Like, when, you, when we sat down today, we agreed on we were going to look at our budget or whatever it is. Can we stick to that? Go back to the facts. Facts versus feelings, fact versus fantasy. It's very important. And facts versus potentiality. A lot of times we look at the potential of something or someone. But the facts are here today, right now. What are the facts? Can we stick to the facts? Like when we get into a relationship with somebody's potentiality and then we're disappointed that they're not living up to their expectations, like that. Like what are the facts? Can we stick to that? Today we're talking about this. Let's focus. Or, you know what? I just feel like a boundary was crossed. This is not what, I, what, I'm, what I'm imagining and this is not what I'm intending for this conversation. Let's, let's stop for a moment. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel good. Can you try that? Okay. Yeah, okay. Yes, look at you. You're already learning. <laughs> that's wonderful. Are we, are we, that's it? We have time for more, one more question or no? Hmm? We can do questions after. And I don't know if you heard, we, at one o'clock we have a um, workshop here that, that goes deeper into the courageous conversations. Um, it's for an hour and a half, starts at one o'clock somewhere in the building. And it's $40, and including in that, I'm going to give you a 30-minute coaching session with me. So if you have nothing else to do this afternoon, want to do a little bit more, um, have a little bit more courageous conversation, stick around, go have lunch, and join us at 1. And thank you for your attention. I hope you learned something here today that you can take with you right now into your own lives um, and have more courageous conversations. Thank you so much. This episode was produced by Kirsten Hedges and produced and edited by Georgie Harris. For more information, visit us at modernmysticshop.com and click on Sunday School.